Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements. Anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. This podcast episode is brought to you by 14th Star Brewing Co. 14th Star is a veteran-owned Vermont craft brewery on a mission to brew world-class beer while enriching their community. We are partnering with 14th Star while we spend February and March in Vermont highlighting local makers. Not only does 14th Star make great beer, like their maple oatmeal stout, yes I said maple, but they also have a very strong mission to give back to their community and support fellow veterans. 14th Star believes that every person and business has an obligation to give back to try and make the world a better place. If you're in the Northeast, definitely keep an eye out for 14th Star Brewing Co. What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with the founder of Over Easy, Ava Shaw. Ava, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. So right off the bat, how would you best describe Over Easy to someone who is yet to hear of your business? Yeah, so I would say Over Easy makes your go-to accessory. You don't want to leave the house without in the cold weather season, whether it be for on or off the mountain use. So tell me about the history of Over Easy. How did you come up with the idea? Yeah, so I, w- I was born and raised in, in Vermont, and I spent almost every day of every winter on the slopes. Uh, I was a ski racer and an avid skier. I really was frustrated by what I had to wear to stay warm. It was oftentimes itchy and it was built for guys or it notoriously had spiders on it. And um, I wanted clothing and especially like face gear that I could express myself with, but also that performed at a, at a high level. Um, so that's where Over Easy was born. You know, I came up with the hoodie. It's a face panel hood combination. It's compatible to go over your helmet. Um, and you don't have to sacrifice your sense of fashion, your sense of self to stay warm on the mountain. That's so interesting. Okay, so you started this a little over a year ago at this point or two years ago? Yeah, so I came up with the first prototype in December of 2016 during my gap year between high school and college when I was um, ski racing at a a little academy called Green Mountain Valley School over by Sugarbush. But um, I really launched the company full scale in January of uh, 2018 um, when we you know, brought a, I brought on a co-founder and, and launched a website and um, started to open some wholesale accounts. Previous to that, or prior to that, I was um, kind of just selling one-offs and two-offs at ski races and, and at resorts out of the back of my Subaru to friends and family and whoever else heard about it. Uh, growing up, did you ever have an idea that you wanted to start a business of some kind? Um, 
you know, I never had it in my mind, but um, I was always a schemer. I would, you know, see if I could make money off my parents kind of any way possible from for as long as I can remember. You know, I would, you know, tell my mom, can I bake you cookies if you pay me five dollars? And and always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit. I learned to sew in, in seventh grade. And um, kind of from that point on, I was always creating you know, neckies and winter scarves and um, little knickknacks here and there and, and seeing, you know, what people liked and what they didn't like and making five or 10 bucks here. So you, you officially la- relaunched the business like full scale in 2018. What was that launch like? How did you really get the word out there and, mm-hmm. you know, grow the business? Yeah, it, it was wild. So it was in January, mid-January, which is like really late for a, a winter a winter company, but um, I was taking a, a class called Middlebury Entrepreneurs, um, a, a Middlebury course offering, and um, we launched our website and we did also a lot of word of mouth um, pre-sales to kind of friends and family and an internal network. Um, and so we launched without having any seamstresses, no material, um, basically nothing we needed to make the product except one prototype. We didn't have the money to front our first production. So we're like, let's go out, pre-sell as many as we can, promise them in two weeks, and then figure out how to turn it around and, and get those out to people. Um, and, you know, we had great success the first day, first 48 hours through Facebook and social media um, and word of mouth with just a couple great photos. And, and the thing just took off that January. Um, and then it was a crazy two weeks of, of ordering material figuring out how to hire a couple home sewers to, to make our product happen and, and, and getting it out. And I think we got there, got product out in like two weeks and a day. Um, so somehow turned that around and, and, um, it's kind of just been growing since then. So I imagine you didn't sleep much during those two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not at all. (laughs) Okay. So you, um, you start with pre-orders, you kind of validate the concept. People are interested in purchasing, uh, the over easy, where did you take it from there? Um, from there, we basically um, just started to try and spread it. So uh, we have a team of 25 or 30 ambassadors, kind of grassroots, everything from bloggers to professional athletes, a um, couple Olympians um, that we have helped have helped us spread the word. And um, we have a salesman who's helping us get into some stores. We're in about 15 stores across the Northeast. and. Um, looking to expand that two or three times this summer. Um, so it, it's basically been a lot of word of mouth, um, bringing brand ambassadors on and, and expanding our retail presence to grow the brand over the past year and a half or so. That's really exciting. And and one of the, uh, I guess, differentiating factors of Overeasy is the fact that you make everything in Vermont, correct? Uh, what made you decide to keep the manufacturing in Vermont? Um. Yeah, so at first it was uh, a huge convenience thing, you know, and, and it allowed us to have to turn everything around in two weeks. Um, and as we continued to build these relationships with our, our home seamstresses, I realized, um, you know, partially through my studies at, at Middlebury that manufacturing in the U.S. is so minimal. In fact, only 3% of the clothing worn is produced domestically. And uh, sewing machine operators are faced with the fourth fastest declining industry in the U.S. So once I kind of learned this, I, I realized, you know, it's so important for me to continue to support these 
these women and maybe even men that will work for us and just the opportunity to be able to give back to the communities that have raised um, raised me in, in, here in Vermont. Um, I feel really lucky to be able to support the local economies. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I drove into one of my seamstresses' homes and there was a new used car in the driveway. And I realized that was a huge part in making that happen. And, and that was a really, really cool moment. That's really awesome. Uh, now, obviously, you've been sewing for a while. So I guess in prototyping the the um, the products, did was there anything that you kind of learned throughout the process of really perfecting the product? I guess it, attention to detail, for sure. Um, you know, there's the, one, the biggest differentiator, I'd say, with our product compared to, you know, your other hoods that are um, over the helmet mount compatible is, is just the quality and the attention to detail, you know, every seam and every last tag and draw cord, it's all the highest quality and, and really, really nicely finished. You know, there's no loose seams and, um, we use, we source the best materials. We have the only waterproof hood on the market, the only faux fur hood on the market and, um, kind of the attention to detail. We've gone through probably 10 plus iterations of, of the original mountain hoodie at this point. Um, so it, you know, fits over your helmet like a glove and um, perfect to the last stitch, we like to think. Hey, everyone. Just a quick thank you to our sponsor who helps make the Ready 80 podcast possible, Sideline Swap. Being an outdoorsy person usually means that you buy and accrue a silly amount of gear to support your activities. As time goes by and you get new gear, why not sell your old gear? to help cover the cost of that new gear. This is where Sideline Swap comes in. You can post your skis, snowboard, or any outerwear in a couple minutes and make back some of the money that you spent on that gear. Not to mention, if you're trying to get a loved one or friend into skiing or riding, which we all know is expensive, you can find awesome gear on sidelineswap.com for a great deal. Some products are even up to 70% off. For more info, you can head over to sidelineswap.com. Did you ever have any mentors throughout the last couple of years in developing ovaries that really kind of helped you navigate the starting of the business? Sure. So some of our closest mentors are um, Sam Roach Gerber and Dave Bradbury, who run VSET up in Burlington. It's a small incubator hub um, co-working space that we've um, that's actually free to student entrepreneurs. Um, they come down and they teach a one month course at Middlebury every January. So that's kind of how we got off the ground and they've remained really close and um, provided some tremendous resources, connected us to some of our manufacturing um, places that do cut our fabric, um, as well as just mentor us through the the whole process. They even hosted a, um, VSET hosted a female, Vermont female entrepreneur competition this, um, this September, I believe there were over 50 applicants. They narrowed it down to a pool of seven. And then um, myself and six other female entrepreneurs pitched for the opportunity to win up to 25 grand. Um, and we actually placed second and won five grand. And it really changed our production this fall and allowed us to grow quite a bit. So they've been a huge, huge asset to ours and some great mentors. That's really awesome. Congratulations on coming in second. That's definitely a, a nice extra validation. Um, for the business. Yeah, it was, it was great. Now let's talk about uh, like the different types of products that you offer. Did it, 
how did you come about really figuring out the different sort of skews that you wanted to offer, especially in like this early stage? Um, I'm sure like managing uh, sort of inventory and really trying to figure out what your customers want uh, probably took some time, right? Totally. You know, so I really never, the funny part is I never had the intention to start a business, right? I have this pain point. I wanted to look good and stay warm on the mountain. Um, And so I came up with the solution, which was the original hoodie for myself. And I never really, it never really occurred to me that other other people might be feeling this same pain point. Um, So the first week or so, I actually had the hoodie and was skiing around with it and wearing it around town. People would stop me and they'd ask me, you know, where did you get that? That thing is so cool. I want to get one. And I'd kind of laugh and say, ha ha, you can't get one. and after about being stopped about four or five times um, on the mountain, I realized, okay, so maybe some people feel the same pain point. Maybe I can make a couple dollars. And and that's when I started making them. Um, so my point being is that, I, you know, I made the product for myself because I felt this pain point and quickly realized that there are many more people like me. Um, and so in designing SKUs and in sourcing materials, um, I feel like I'm really in touch with my customer because I am one. Um, and it, it's for women and uh, women like me, and it turns out men too. Um, so I have kind of used my um, experience and on the ski hill, um, and my uncle, who my grandfather, who have 50 years of expertise in the winter apparel industry, to source the best materials and and figure out the right skews. Um, the faux fur has been a huge, huge hit. Um, and what I've realized in the past year and a, year and a half, two years, is that um, a lot of the hoods on the market are targeted towards younger men. Um, and there isn't that much ski gear out there that's specifically um, designed with women in mind. And while we we love our male customers and, and we have a lot of gender, gender neutral and um, male products, there's the faux fur are really well received by the women. Um, and it's been cool to get to know that niche a little bit more as we um, continue to kind of expand the um, the women targeted uh, hoods. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you guys sent us, I think, four um, different products, and my mm-hmm. girlfriend stole all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the point where my partners are like, "Wait, where did the over easies go?" And I'm like, oh, "I think Alexa <laughs> has them." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems about right. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "I'm not giving them back. I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> we love that. That's awesome. So you're still in school while you're running this business. Could you share a little bit about what that's like and how you balance the two? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm not going to lie. I basically spend all my time um, studying. I'm also a member of the varsity women's soccer team at Middlebury. And then any sort of free time I have or as many, you know, classes, independent studies I can get approved for over easy, I'll do so. Um, I'm constantly working at weird hours of the night. Um, and we're really lucky that we have the month of January to take one focus class. Um, so get a lot of free time. And this past January, for instance, I wrote a 45 page business plan and, and the, um, center for careers and internships gave me credit for working on this. They spent about a hundred hours over the month of January. But I mean, the, the fall season is our craziest time of the year. Um, my co-founder and I, we are both um, athletes and we both played in our national championship games. We're opening wholesale accounts and we're trying to fill, fulfill like 30 or 40 orders a day during the month of December and take finals. The, it's just, it's absolutely crazy, but 
um, you learn to manage your time and figure out what's really, really important um, and what's going to maximize your sales and what's most important to the company and, and what you can outsource and, and uh, minimize. So you definitely are tight on time, but um, teaches you to work very effectively and efficiently, I would say. It's kind of funny. Winter sports, running a winter sports business um, is hard when you're in school, specifically because you get the summers off, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I almost wish it was the other way around. Yeah, I know it really is, but it's it's nice we have summer to gear up for winter. Um, I, like last summer, we got about a couple thousand dollars in in summer funding to work in a co working space and spend the whole summer dedicated to over easy. Um, which was tremendous. That's when we built out the whole lifestyle line, opened a bunch of wholesale accounts and really started to scale the thing. So the opportunities of being a student entrepreneur have been enormous, um, especially the grants and the pitch competitions um, that are accessible as a student. So you'll, you have one more year left in school? A year and a half. A year and a half left. <laughs> At this point, do you think that OverEasy will be your, your full-time thing once you graduate? <laughs> I get that question a lot. Um, you know, it's something I'm playing with. Um, it definitely will be a, a viable full-time employment option, I think. But, you know, at our growth rate, we're growing at over 100% year over year. And um, it should be sustainable that I could make it a viable long-term employment. But um, I have some other interests and I'm not 100% sure that I'll I'll want to commit myself full time, but that's not to say that I won't hire someone um, to run the business and, and keep it going. So we'll see. It's, it's a long time off. So maybe go try a couple other things, keep running over easy and make the decision come February of 2021. That's exciting. Now, what would you say has been the hardest part about uh, getting over easy off the ground? I would say probably managing our, um, manufacturing and um you know supply chain and and making sure you know we we make the best possible gear out there and and that requires i think 11 different sourcers that we we buy materials and um and tips and labels and such from so trying to coordinate all of them getting in at the same time and then um getting everything cut and built and fulfilled uh in time for our orders or you know ahead of the big seasons are is is a really big challenge and making sure we're getting the right quantity i think december 15th rolled around and we'd sold out of six of eight SKUs, which don't get me wrong it's a great problem to have but um i had run out of money for production so i wasn't able to produce in the high enough volume that we needed and we totally sold out and we were two weeks from christmas and i was you know, cursing a little bit, <laughs> but um, I, th I think that's probably the biggest challenge for sure. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like whenever I speak with someone who runs a manufacturing based business, the hardest part is always managing inventory and taking mm -hmm. that sort of guesstimation and totally. getting it as close to right as possible. Because like you said, like, it's great that you sold out of everything, but now you're not selling anything. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which is another problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Now, what would you say um one of the biggest lessons uh that you've learned up until this point with OverEasy? I think just how to interact with people and, and how to build relationships. Um, whether that be, you know, our home sewers or um our buyers at, at retail stores. A lot of the folks I'm working with 
are double or triple my age. Um, and, you know, learning that not everyone can text for business and people still mail checks versus, you know, sending a Venmo payment, which is actually not legal to run a business through Venmo. Um, but just figuring out how, um, how to communicate with people who are um, way older than you and have, have built businesses up from the ground up um, and, and building those relationships with people has been um, really great for my interpersonal skills, I would say. Definitely. Now, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space or just a business in general? Um, I would probably tell them that um, it's going to take a lot of time and you're going to have a lot of lows. And I think what we see from the outside is so much entrepreneurial success. And what you don't see are the lows and the times when your shipment gets delayed or when your tariffs go up because you're importing materials. Um, and there's a lot of really tough hardships to overcome. And I think it can be pretty, um, pretty defeating as an entrepreneur. Um, so it takes a tremendous amount of grit to just say, I'm going to figure out how to get this done and I'm going to find a way um, and kind of go and make that happen time and time again. Yeah, I think that's referred to as the trough of sorrow <laughs> in the <laughs> entrepreneurial world <laughs> where only like other entrepreneurs can relate where it's just like, yeah, there are moments where it really sucks. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> um, now, where do you see over easy in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road, if you've thought about it? I see over easy on every 20 to 60 year old woman in every um cold mountain lifestyle town across the United States. So the Rockies, the Sierras, and um, the Appalachian Mountains in New England, um, in every kind of high-end boutique ski shop um, across the country. Love that. What's the best part about running over easy? Um, just the face on my customer when they, when they put a hood on and exclaim how it's the softest, comfiest thing they've ever worn and they're never going to take it off. That that just doesn't get old, you know, seeing the smiles on people's faces and how happy the product makes them. It's what's kept me going. Yeah, it, it's interesting. When you start a business, you kind of don't realize um, how good it, it feels to help someone because, like, that's the point of a business, right, is to sell a product yeah. or a service that, like, adds value to someone <laughs> right. or an entity of some kind. And seeing that sort of value come through is a really nice feeling because you just yeah. feel like you're actually adding real value instead of just taking money and exchanging it for something, right? <laughs> exactly. And you spend so much time so close to a product, you know, like I have over, an over-easy in every one of my backpacks and in my car and everywhere I look, right? So I, I forget um, how great the product is and, and how it brightens people's days and their lives. And, and then to get that from a customer, you know, a note once a week or a, a tag on Instagram, it's, it's really rejuvenating. Definitely. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a really cool thing what you're doing, especially um, ru running a women run uh, business in the outdoor space. <laughs> we need more of them. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. definitely an important thing um, to be focusing on and showing other women that, hey, this is something you can do and you should do if you want to do it. And um, I think it's really exciting to see what you're doing uh, with OverEasy. And um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and, and share your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.